2: Welcome to the 79th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to all things elite. My name is Austin Sumowitz and I am your host for this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good partner, Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing, my man?
1: I'm up and down. Uh, COVID starting to annoy me. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, My football game. Uh, I'm a chiefs fan and it looks like both teams had a positive test this week. So my football game got postponed. And as we're talking right now, my Florida state Seminoles are playing a college football game and, uh, we just started a freshman quarterback and I'm like really excited about him and he throws an interception for that is returned for a touchdown. Like literally, as I said, go, it happened. Oh gosh. So, uh, that was annoying. But other than that, I mean, life is good. I really don't have any complaints. I work at home, blah, 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 you know, good stuff, good stuff, fortunate. But on Saturdays and Sundays, reality goes away for a little while. And I can think about all the positive stuff in my life, and, you know, I'm the proclivity for positivity. Of Saturday, if, you know, football teams that I don't play for and have no control over don't win, it does put me in a bad mood for a few hours. I know it sounds ridiculous because I am an adult, but it's a thing. It, it, it's a thing. And considering,
2: it's like, considering how some fans react when their team loses a football.
1: You cut out, Austin. Are you gone? Did you die? They, uh, oh. Are you, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Uh, oh, hello. Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Weird.
2: I don't know. I don't know why that happened.
1: So it said considering, and then you went out. So repeat that, please.
2: So considering (laughs) the fact that most NFL fans, when their team loses, have a lot more freakouts than just being slightly annoyed and kind of upset, Like that's not even that unreasonable for you to be like, oh, man, I'm annoyed that my team lost. I would say
1: five years ago, I used to throw just flat-out fits, like, don't talk to me, blah, 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 go in another room and shut the door. As I've gotten older, I have matured, and I still get angry. Don't get me wrong. And it's funny because you know me and my personality. I'm not an angry person. So my wife didn't know how angry I could get. So I meet her, we move in, and, you know, it's kind of towards the end of college season, beginning, in the middle of football, uh, NFL season. And I was okay. And then she, then we lost, like, a game I didn't think we should lose. And I kind of snapped. And she had never seen me angry. She's like, of all the things that can get you angry. It's like, someone can talk about your mom, call you bad names, and all that stuff. And I've seen you just shake it off and not care. But if your football team loses, that's when you lose it. And I was like... Yeah, because I literally have no control over it. That's why it <laughs> angers me. That's why it angers me so much. I have no control over it. It's like if they're getting like destroyed, you just have to watch it. You know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. after they lose, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to work with the offensive line. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah, you there's, no <laughs> there's no way to improve. There's no way to improve other than to keep rooting. So it's, it's the craziness of fanhood. I talk about this because I know the people listening to this show are pretty big AEW fans. And I tell, you know, ESPN used to have this commercial, and they would say, it's not crazy, it's sports. It is so, so utterly, absolutely, positively true. It's like, I consider myself a sane person but when 18 to 22 year olds don't play a sport that uh play the sport the way I want them to do it I get really 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 pissed yeah
2: hey man i mean like <laughs> considering considering like some i i can only imagine what certain fans are thinking right now like i'm a while i'm from detroit and i support my vi- my detroit lions even though honestly at this point i'm kind of rooting for them to to just tank because i want Patricia and Mar- uh, and Quinn gone. My Vikings are 0 and 3 and I'm not okay with that at all. So it's 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 com- it's completely reasonable but just not when people start breaking shit and or, or fighting people because I've seen videos of that and it's just like come on man.
1: <laughs> okay, now you weird thing that <laughs> The whole idea of breaking shit and fighting people, that is a reason going to a Premier League football game in the UK is very high on my list of things to do. Oh
2: yeah, me too!
1: Yes. It's like, I do, I'm not the biggest soccer fan ever or anything. I barely understand the game, the intricacies, but I understand crazy fanhood. And I want to be. As soon as I saw that's a thing that happens, I was like, I want to be around those people,
2: dude. Like, if you uh. want to, if you want to understand how great uh, UK soccer crowds are, my favorite video of all time is when somebody brought and this is way off topic, and we'll get to AEW in a bit, but I have to mention this. My favorite video by far of any UK crowd in a in a uh, fo- in a football or soccer match is there are these people that were knocking around an inflatable penis, and then eventually. Uh, security took it away from them, and they just started singing at the at the security guard. We want our deck back. 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 And I was crying. I was yes. laughing so hard.
1: Yes, UK fans and the singing of the songs. It's such an interactive experience. Uh, you know, before their problematic times, that's why progress was like one of my favorite shows to watch uh because it was such an interactive experience like generally you know wrestling is wrestling but you're like watching wrestling listening to the crowd they're kind of telling you who to like telling you who not to like it was it was just a good time so uh yeah so we can talk about it, aew i guess I, mean, I think that's why people actually i think that's downloaded the it yeah, downloaded <laughs> yeah i think it. that's
2: the main reason why but shout out to all uk fans of anything like you're awesome i like you're unbelievably entertaining and we 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 love watching like i love watching uk crowds when they watch wrestling all the time but yes this is the 79th episode of social Su- social suplexes podcast about aew this is All things Elite, so we're going to be talking about AEW Dynamite from this week. We have a couple other things to preview. We have a lot of upcoming stuff that's going to be really exciting, and I'm very excited to talk about uh, a couple other things that happened outside of Dynamite. But before we get into the show, I want to make sure you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Shout-outs to Spotify listeners as well. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you are so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And if you want to support us on social media, follow us on Twitter at ATElitePod, at SocialSuplex, at at Zoomer 4 which is myself, and then at Floyd Johnson Jr., which is Floyd, the big news of the week for AEW, is that it's been one year since AEW Dynamite started off on TNT, which is just wild considering how fast it flew by. Cause I mean like even even now I still recollect back to when we when I went to All In, which like literally seems like oh that was like a like maybe a little over a year and a half ago. No, that was that was way longer ago. That was like two years ago, maybe longer. And it's just crazy to me, like, how quick of a fan base aw built in such a short amount of time and how when the whole like wednesday night wars thing was like quoted by the fans and being like this is the thing and then like it was kind of the companies believed that it was the thing as well and yeah then like aw was like con- t- consistently holding their own and it's just been a wild year ride there's been a lot of crazy ups and a couple downs and um we're completely fine with saying that there's been many downs because that's what happened with any wrestling show, but it's been an awesome year just to go through everything and just experience it all. And it's just like, anytime you watch a new, new up and coming company, it's always so entertaining to see how their first year goes, because there's just so much ideas and so many creative thoughts and stories that get put out there and like it can create some of the best memories like I remember when WCPW started and like my I remember like within the first year like when Adam Pacitti turned heel and then on Martin Kirby and then fans pelted him with pink glow sticks that's still one of the, my favorite images in all of professional wrestling just because it's the most insane shit and it was completely unprovoked uh, or, like per, or like set up like the fans just did it on their own they were just like alright glow sticks at you for doing that and it's it's been a wild ride, honestly. And there's just way too many memories that I can even I can't even list with how much uh, AEW's done in just a year's time.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I posted a video on the All Things Elite website, and it was me. Um, it was a video I taken of the first entrance with Cody and Brandy coming out in AEW history. And if you If you actually go to Dynamite on TNT or if you have a copy of that first show, you'll see Cody come out and then you'll see me, Floyd, right in the screen. My big, ginormous head uh, looking right at you and it was like I was, you know, part of history. I mean, it was one of those things. I I flew into D.C. uh, that day for the show when it had some uh, Shake Shack. And then went to the show and basically flew out the, like, first flight out the next morning. It was just, it was something I had to, you know, I was somewhere I had to be, something I had to do. One year anniversary, I was just proud to be a part of it. Because, you know, my uh, first trip to Chicago, first trip to Chicago ever in my life. Chicago's a city I always wanted to go to. But the first time I ever went to Chicago was uh the being the elite crew. Uh it's Cody, Bucks, Kenny, Hangman, and Redacted. Uh were at the were at the the shop, PWT shop, and they were doing, you know, photos and autographs and I went to that, right? And that's when you kinda started hearing the rumors of, you know, they're going to do their show, right? Then the fact that they did their show, the fact that they did it, it was like, wow. Okay, they pulled it off. And I went to All In, All In Weekend. Me and you didn't even know each other. We were both there. We no. didn't even know each other. Uh, so uh, that was that was crazy. And we were both there, and Cody won the NWA title, and then the main event, which everybody's like oh it was missed time but it was so perfect because it was a sprint ring mysterio was in the main event of all in yeah crazy right so and was kota obushi kota obushi and you know okada was on the show it's like it's funny because as much as it kind of sucks you know in new japan and roh created their own competition yeah, they, uh, they use they use New Japan and ROH guys to create the next big company in uh, wrestling. So um, yeah, then you started hearing the rumors of you know they're gonna start their own company, and then JR is included, and JR is like, "No, I'm not starting my own company. You're crazy." January, <laughs> January, yeah, yeah. That. And then you found out JR and Chris Jericho were in it from the beginning, but it's just. Like so much that's happening, I just love AEW. I thank God they exist. Uh, I I state anyone that listens to this show, I will say it over again. You can like anything you want. I don't like the only reason there was a Wednesday Night War is because TV shows lined up against each other. If let's say NXT yeah. stayed, I mean, like it's just yeah. If NXT stayed on the network, there would be no Wednesday Night War. AEW would probably consistently no. put over a million people on their TV because that's what they do when they don't have other wrestling competition. So that's what made it a war. I don't care. I, like, I'll tell anyone. I really don't care what you watch. I would prefer you watch AEW first if you're going to watch AEW because, as I stated, and this is my only reason it's practical, AEW needs you wwe does it they have two other shows one on monday and one on friday they don't really need the audience for nxt you know so that's why i always say watch AEW, just practical but i just love all wrestling and i just love that AEW exists i think for me i know for some people one uh i feel like they have found that balance because i always thought my perfect wrestling company was somewhere between New Japan and WWE. Like, I love the soap opera style and glitz and glamor and production at WWE. And then I love the meat and potatoes. It's just about performance fighting of New Japan. It's all real. I love both of those. But I always thought my ideal company would be in the middle. And I feel like that's what AEW does. They are mm-hmm. all about the performance, fighting, and you know it's about the belts, it's about wins and losses, it's about all those things I love, you know. But then you do get some of the soap opera too, like the butcher's gonna kill, you know. I mean, oh excuse me, the blade is gonna kill QT, and we we all know it's coming, and we're just kind of waiting, you know. And it's mm-hmm. just like you do get that soap opera enough, but yeah, I just I just love it. I could honestly, we could have done a whole hour show just on the one-in-year anniversary of Dynamite, but I'm just going to stop now because, you know, you got to know when to say when. (laughs)
2: Sure, yeah. And we got a lot to talk about on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite, Um, and the show opened up, like, honestly, like, pretty decent. Like, the matchup, like, overall, I was super excited that this main event, this opened opened the show. It was absolute Ricky Starks versus Darby Allin. Now, going into this match... Ricky Starks had eight straight singles wins and Darby Allen had only just recently come back a couple weeks ago and they, they went at it a bunch. There was a point where Brian cage comes out to try to get into the ring, but then Will Hobbs comes out and then just takes down Brian cage to keep them from interrupting the match. And eventually there's just multiple back and forth between it. And then it gets to the point where it gets to the finish Ricky Starks tries to go for the Avalanche Rochambeau from the Turnbuckle. Darby Allen then counters it, kicks him in the face. Ricky loses his balance, falls to the mat, and then Darby hits the coffin drop. Great like placement and great counter to put him open and like really get the steel win for Darby Allen and break that eight-win losing winning streak uh, for for Ricky Starks. And I thought the way that the finish came about was really cool. And I also like that they had the Team Taz interference, but they got it out of the way pretty quickly in the match and then had the match finish completely clean. I thought like it was good to establish that Team Taz members like back each other up in big matches and then it at the same time make sure that like oh no, Darby's getting a legit win over this and it's it's a good it's a really good win for Darby too, because like, he needs these big wins to help really establish the fact that he's back. Because people love Darby regardless, but to make sure he still feels like a big deal, like beating somebody who hasn't lost a match in eight singles matches, that's a big win. So I'm I'm all for this opening matchup.
1: Yeah, uh, let me tell you. You can look at a lot of other companies, and you can look at whatever your opinion of them is. There is a not a lot of undercard rivalries built as well as this uh, as this one as far as Darby versus Ricky Starks talking about Ricky Starks wasn't even signed what three four months ago and he what the story has basically started as, as soon as he signed with Team Taz in like July and this has been a three month program building to this match And it's just like, and then the match delivered as a first match on the card. And it was just like, you look at it and you think about, you think about what Darby Allen is. You try to think about what, uh, you know, what uh, Ricky Starks is going to be. Ricky Starks is the pin eater of Team Taz. Darby Allen is the up and comer. He's kind of the, he's like if Sting and Jeff Hardy had a baby. So he's like got the the pace faint, and you know the high flying and it's just like they're polar opposites. Ricky starts would be look like a young Rocky Maivia. you know what I mean? It's just like he 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 dresses right. He got him a manager. He doesn't necessarily care how he wins, and and Darby Allen is kind of his perfect like if you're you saying like a reflection of each other, and the match references that you know. Ricky Starks is not a high flyer at all. Darby Allens, throw his body at him. Uh, They got the Brian Cage. They didn't want you sitting there waiting the whole match for Brian Cage to interfere. So they got that out the way with Will Hobbs. And then Taz stayed at the announce table. He didn't come down to do it. He is really more like a coach. He's like, I'm going to go over film with you. We're going to talk strategy. But when it comes to in-ring, you got to go do you. And that's, to me... Perfect marriage, again, between soap opera, them two having each other and being part of groups, and sports, where your coach lets the players play. Like, I can't, you know, I'm the coach. I'm not supposed to be getting physically involved. So it's that perfect marriage of it there. That's what I... This match, no other match, no other rivalry talks to what I was talking about, about finding that middle ground more than this match.
2: No, literally, that's, that's that's exactly what I was thinking, too, in that whole idea. And this match executed that so well because, I mean, the one of the biggest things wrestling fans aren't, aren't for are, like, constant rivalries elongated by non-finishes. So when you have legit good finishes and then you can still keep this rivalry going even if you want to and people are still interested, that's showing that you really have built a really strong mid-card, a really strong undercard that people still care about these non-title feuds even after you give good finishes that are relatively decisive. And yeah, they they have they I haven't seen many issues with that in AEW for quite a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, no issues with it at all. I really enjoy this match. I'm looking forward to I could see these two feuding 3 years from now and you know for the title. It's just like this was the youth, uh, the youth of AEW. This is what people uh, could see going forward, and it drew over a million viewers. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like very obviously there are people out there that were very interested in this match.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, after this, we had the American Nightmare Cody hit the ring and cut an interview with Dasha Gonzalez, and pretty much. Talked about how he was feeling, talking about how he's kind of feeling like, you know, like you always wrestle hurt. You never wrestle injured. But like, what if it transcends physical and it's more more spirit of your injury? And then he talks about how he's the guy who got beat in three minutes and he's doubting himself. And then he gets brought up on if he accepts the dog collar match made by Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT championship And he talks about the optics of this match is unsafe, bloody, violent. And as the executive vice president of the company and for a title that he's so damn proud to have, his answer is no, walks out the ring, like waits for a good 10 seconds. And everyone's like thinking like, oh, man, like his like I loved Excalibur being like Cody's psychological injury might be deeper than we all thought it was. He then runs back into the ring and then says, "No," as in no regrets, no is in no looking back. We enter much different than we leave for the TNT title dog collar match next week. I accept. And that's when Mr. Brody Lee comes out with his with his Dark Order brethren, and then they just start brawling. AEW officials and wrestlers are separating them. Brandy Lee Brandy Rhodes comes out to try to uh separate everything he ends she ends up doing a flipping senton off the top rope onto the dark order and then gets into a fight with Anna J. and then also at one point Nyla Robes grabs Rose grabs Killian King and slams her down to the ground and then just all they're continuously going back and forth at each other the best part of this whole segment honestly besides Cody's promo was when was when uh oh my god uh when uh uh why am I blanking on his name? I love him too much. The like he
1: John he Silver grabbed,
2: John Silver goes by. Yes. He comes by and he just hu- starts hugging uh Brody Lee to keep him away from Cody and It's like just like holding him back and then Brody just shoves him. It's just John Silver's the man and I apologize for get, forgetting his name. Now, this segment was really good. The only things that I had like nitpicks on was like I really don't know what was the need to fit in a Nyla Rose Killian King spot because it really just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because like Brandy and Anna J makes total sense because it relates with the nightmare family versus the dark order. That's completely fine. But Anna J, but Nyla Rose and Killian King have nothing to do with this whole segment. And then they just like, like, Oh, our feud started. Boom. And it just seemed like, okay, they're going to be fighting soon. Like, you couldn't have done that in, like, a backstage promo? Like, why all of a sudden are they fighting in this whole brouhaha? Like, I get it. Like, like everything broke down and then Nyla Rose saw an opportunity. Like, I get that for story reason. It just came out of nowhere and, like, just kind of threw me off as, like, the focus was all on the dog collar match. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, Nyla Rose and uh, Killian King are going to – like, I thought you could have just given them their own segment to build that match and, like, build that – like, what's going to be happening. But – Other than that, this this segment was great, but that's pretty much the only nitpick that I have with it.
1: So let's go through the segment. Cody's Cody fan. Cody promo, Uh, great as usual. Uh, Okay, I've had a problem with this feud, and I might be the only one. It's just like the dog collar thing. I was gonna say seems to like to me that is an escalation of a blood feud. And I don't feel like these two have reached blood feud level. You know what I mean? Do you? Do you, yeah, do you, do you feel I, me? Well, well, the thing too is
2: that the bringing up of the dog collar and for Brody Lee to bring it up and like yeah. offer that it it like that seems like something that like Cody would do.
1: Yeah, like but, you like embarrass for... me. You, like so, to me, the result would be Cody comes back. Challenges Brody Lee. Somehow, nefarious means whatever, kinda creepy shit. Cody beats Brody Lee by count out or some crap. Doesn't lose the belt, but beats him in a weird way. Brody Lee feels Cody was running away from him. Then he say dog collar. Or Brody Lee gets counted out on purpose. And Cody's like, oh, Brody Lee's losing to Cody and then gets counted out on purpose. And then Cody says, hey, dog collar match, right? Usually, it's an escalation. Dog collar match. I don't feel like this is an escalation. It's like Brody Lee beat the shit out of Cody in three minutes. Okay, the next step is a rematch. It is not to escalate the feud to a dog collar. Because to me, even with his wife getting beat up by another and his friends getting beat up, Okay, again, Cody would be the one to introduce the dog collar or a cage or something like that. It just did. It just doesn't feel like I said. It feels weird. So yeah, I
2: and f- i i I think I think yeah, that was gonna what I was gonna say. While the way that the match came about, like I thought, could have been handled a lot more, a lot better for it to make way more sense. Like I'm like, it's just yeah. That's that's the only thing with the segment. Like the segment by itself was great. But just the way that we got here, like it could have been handled way better.
1: And then that's what I was gonna say, building on that. So Cody cuts his promo, then he walks away. So second thing, this this runs into my second thing. He walks away and I was hoping he just walked away. Because then, you know, you over the next few weeks, Brody Lee's calling him a little bitch, blah blah blah. And again, that builds more into the dollar collar match. And of course, You do the dollar-collar match at full gear. So you can have all the blood and all that stuff, you know what I mean? And you don't have to worry about, you know, like, ratings and shit. Because I don't know how well this is going to go off on cable TV.
2: That is is a good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know how well this is going to go off. We're going to see. So, and it's like, again, this is not me doubting Cody. I think, in the end, they're going to do the match. It's going to be fine. But what do what is the word that I overuse when talking about Cody? What does he bring? I mean, like you can say it better than I can. Gravitas. And go. I feel like this match doesn't have gravitas. <laughs> That's the thing Cody brings and this match doesn't have it. <laughs> And for him to, like, (laughs) this is his return to that that match doesn't have it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel it. And this is a person that gives Cody every benefit of the doubt ever. But if somebody's like, well, this feels forced, I'm like, yeah, it feels forced. I can't even argue. I can't even do my FTR, flip everything around to the way that it works out to my advantage thing on it. Because, yeah, it feels kind of forced. It's like, it feels like, hey, I want to do a dog collar match. So we're doing a dog collar match. That's what Mm -hmm. it feels like to me. (laughs) It just feels like, oh, yeah we'll make yeah, it, it it's work. Like, <laughs> it's like okay, you, we're, we're going to do a dog collar match in 3 weeks. We're going to make it work.
2: I get and, that they want to <laughs> like get a really big match for a TNT main event yeah. and that's fine, but like I don't feel like with a match like a dog collar match, like you're not going to be able to go as far as you want to. Like yeah. with Cody and his Southern wrestling ways, like yeah. I don't know how, unless somebody something was said to Turner Broadcasting and they were able to be like listen, this is what we're going to do, like and they were cool with it then, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe but maybe I, something was, was talked about. Maybe they have a lot more uh, faith and um, trust in Cody and the guys to be I able just, to do something like this on cable television. I don't know.
1: I just feel like this should be Cody Brody, too. I just think this yeah, should be then, a regular wrestling match. Cody
2: Brody 3.
1: And then we get to Cody Brody 3, which is a dog collar match. There you go. It just I mean, feels it feels rushed. And like I said, I don't talk, you know, and a lot of people might take this as negative because if it's not, I'm just trying to be like very, very honest with my feelings. Even as a Cody fan that wants to watch him wrestle every week and was very okay with the open challenge, this type of match feels rushed.
2: Yeah, I, it's just, and like, it's, <laughs> Yeah. So. it'll, I'm sure it'll turn out well.
1: But yes. Yeah, it just doesn't feel and then, as and- like on point that it should. Brandy coming out flipping. I thought that was awesome. The big break of a Another even thought for the second match. God, Brandy comes out. There's a brawl. Anna J jumps in. Next week or this coming up week, Cody and Brandy versus, you know, Brody Lee and Anna J. That would have been a good match, right? It'd have been nice to see Brandy back in the ring, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, the, the coat. So I think we might, honestly. Gut filling, bubbled gut filling, is I think we're gonna get that mixed tag at Full Gear,
2: which it's it's yeah it seems like those matches those should be
1: swapped. Flopped. Dog collar match and a pay per view, amazing idea, mixed tag at a pay per view. Again, I'm gonna like it, but unless you're adding something to it, maybe it's a mixed tag in a cage, maybe. But it's just feels know. well, like I said, it just feels like I said this match. I'm very excited for Cody wrestle. I know it's going to be bloody. I know it's going to be sick and disgusting. I'm I'm going to love it. I'm going to love this match. I know I am. But it's just just, me being honest. It just feels out of place. They might make it work. We will see.
2: Now, before we get into the next segment, um, so like – did you have the same feeling about the Nyla Killian King spot like that I had, where it's like just kind of like why not just give these two their own segment to build their match that they're supposed to have? Oh, um,
1: I honestly didn't really have a problem with it. Nyla Rose does seem like the person that's supposed to be there to break up a fight and would we'll just start another fight.
2: Yeah, and again, I think <laughs> it makes sense, at the same it makes sense but at the same time. I was like, if you want to build that
1: yeah, match
2: like, for next like, week, like
1: Nyla's not, I'm not give, I'm yeah. not. I'm not security. I'm here to break bitches. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, I know. <laughs> no, like I say, it did seem like now that you mention it, and then I'm like playing it in my head. I'm like, yeah, that was really out of place, wasn't it? It's like are why did why really did they do good? that? <laughs> it's just like if
2: you want to build that match and make sure people are into it, like yeah. why not give it its own segment? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's just my thought. I mean, I'm sure the match will be great, and I'm sure that they'll like make it seem like seem important, but like. Like I just thought, like just give them in their own segment. You didn't need to stick it right into the brawl of the Cody uh, Brody
1: Lee feud. Like it just seemed out of place. But... Yeah, it's like you got a bologna sandwich and people people throw like a watermelon slice in there, and it's like and you're just okay, like, that, ah. is, that doesn't go on my bologna sandwich. Why are you forcing that in there? It's <laughs> like no, bro, <laughs> exactly
2: right, exactly right.
1: It's like no, it's not. But now.
2: Right. For all of you who are like, oh my God, Floyd's not getting his cell on for his favorite wrestler. Don't worry. We got Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood in FTR uh, right here in this segment as Tony Schiavone interviews them backstage talking about best friends. And then after they talked about best friends, how they weren't 100%, they just went to war and then they weren't going to give them a title match. But SCU, though, like they're totally different. That's why we're facing them tonight. That's why that's whole, this whole thing's happening. But then um, Tony's like, well, yeah, but what about the Young Bucks? And then Dax goes, every what constitutes them having a championship match? Every time they've gotten an opportunity, they've blown it, brought up the private party match, brought up Kenny and Hangman. And then if it's because Dave Meltzer loves them and throws them all the stars, then yeah, line them up. That can then constitutes a AEW World Tag Team t- title match. But other than that, they don't deserve it. And then Tony Schiavone starts building a, a full gear coming up November 7th. Right before he asks who they're going to face at full gear, Young Bucks super kick him in the face. And Matt's just like, did we just interrupt something? And then he just uh, – then they go like, oh, no, no, no. We're right here. Why don't you kick us? And then Bucks just walked away from that. And then also SCU was interviewed by Dash Dash up before the match. And then they passed Sean Spears who just smirked and said good luck. A little little thing right there. So, then we went into the Tag Team Championship match between SCU and Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, FTR. Floyd, um, it's your boys. Just go ahead and lead
1: into it. Okay, so first I want to say this. The despicable, disgusting, diabolical Young Bucks... Oh my I god. Thought you gonna, I thought
2: you were going to I thought you were going to say Tony Schiavone and I was going to fight you.
1: What? Do you not remember last week what is the I know, one that's thing? What, I was
2: gonna be, like, what you... happened to what happened to
1: the, the praise for Tony Schiavone? What is the different. one thing you can't
2: do? I know. Okay. <laughs> I, we now we now have established that.
1: Continue. <laughs> the one thing you can't do is touch Tony Schiavone. That is literally like kicking a puppy.
2: It is. It is.
1: It, 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 it is so out of line. You people want to call FTR the "quote unquote" heels. They didn't beat up Tony Schiavone, poor defenseless, defenseless Tony Schiavone. Who has Tony Schiavone ever wrestled against? Tony Schiavone doesn't fight. The dude is a former barista, one of the, the greatest voices of the wrestling generation of my wrestling generation. The nicest man on earth. And they kicked him. (laughs) That broke my heart. It was like they actually got heat with me, which I didn't think was possible. (laughs) (laughs) You don't kick Tony Schiavone. (laughs) No, you really don't. Honestly, Uh, I was like, how could you? How could you? FTR, you can talk about, they talk hard, they hit heavy, you can say every bad thing about them. They don't beat up Tony Schiavone. They do not. Mm -hmm. Come on, it's Tony Schiavone. I'm like, Lord. I had a friend that when, when we were at All In and you could do the interview with Tony Schiavone, literally couldn't get a word out because he was such in awe of meeting Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone... Like, basically flips it around, makes it he like he's excited to meet him, calms him down, and they make it through the interview. Tony Schiavone is a god among men. You don't kick Tony Schiavone. That's, no. that's just messed up. I mean, hey. And again, FTR, because, you know, they are not the sniveling, running-from-you-heels. They say, hey, why don't you kick us? We're right here. They're just kicking Tony Schiavone for no reason. Alright, we can move on from that. Just know, Young Bucks on my shit list right now. (laughs) Then, then FTR comes out and Sean Spears is there. Because Sean Spears was just in the back trying to hang near FTR hoping some of their greatness rubs off on him. I get it. You know what I would do it to do? You know, when you want to be elite, you hang around, you know, elite tag teams, you know. And since the Young Bucks call themselves the elite but don't really act elite like the FTR uh the, you know he was just back there Then he see Sean Spears I mean he sees Scorpio Sky and they say what's up I saw all the tweets that Sean Spears was gonna get involved oh whoa whoa TR doesn't need all of that FTR so they're getting a match with SEU, the former tag team champions and then you know Chris Daniels comes down in the ring. Oh, I like, no reason for him to be down there, but he's down there. And then he trips. He trips when FTR takes face, and the referee had to kick him out. Can't believe that. Oh my god! So uh, they they didn't have an amazing match. Now I don't generally when FTR is in the ring, I don't put over people. But Frankie Kazarian, they need they have to find something for him. Oh yeah. Because he's just so good. And it's one of those things that he's so consistently good, it almost at times comes off as boring because, you know, he's just going to put on a really great match every time. But then sometimes when he's put in the spotlight, he's like he turns it up that extra notch to remind you how great he is. And he's like, dude, why aren't you doing more with him? Cause he's kind of considered old, but the way he works, the way he moves, yeah, nothing old about that man. So honestly,
2: like eh. the thing with SEU is that every time I like try to pinpoint, I'm like, okay, I need to decide which one is my favorite. I just go like, Scorpio's been killed. Well, all, but Frankie's also, but, but CD though is like, I can't like, I cannot get over the fact that how each one of those guys have established themselves so much in that group like I compare them in terms of how they've established themselves uh, in a sense like of, of like characters to like something like the new day. like each one of them has their pros and they each have their what they bring to the table for the for the group and each one of them knocks it out of the park even like even with the new day where like guys like Xavier, I swear to God should be getting way more than he does. Cause when you see him wrestle after like long periods of time where he doesn't wrestle, he's so freaking good. And like, of course the whole thing with Kofi and like how they botched his whole title run by just destroying it on SmackDown. But like, I compare that with the way that each one of those members brings something special to the group is the way that I see with SCU and like with Frankie, Jesus Christ, man, dude, like, like, I, like, I was not expecting Frankie to just go off there. Like, I knew he was going to do great. But, like, dude, where the hell? I was like, I must have been blind because I should have been seeing this, like, way long ago. Because I was like, I must be must have been missing. He must have been doing this the whole time, and I just wasn't paying attention. So shame on me.
1: Yeah, uh, Frankie K, he was the future at one point, and now he's just really good. Uh, he killed it with Adam Page uh, a couple weeks ago, then kills it again in this match. Uh, in the end, uh, I mean, great. Uh, they, they go for a suplex. FTR rolls them up. You know, perfect, clean pin. Uh,
2: nothing, nothing. Tully did whatsoever. No tripping. whatsoever. Oh, Tully
1: was holding onto the mat and trying to hold himself up. And then I saw his fragile legs, man. He's yeah, the old guy. Uh, yeah. And then I saw Dax. Holding Tully up, you know, trying to help him out, and then oh yeah, Chris. Yeah, live, man. yeah, but all lost you know, I saw Cash in there with a perfect pin, and you know, another win. I mean, and, and to SCU, to Frankie K, you you had it, you had your time on TV, Scorpio Sky. I have to tell you, you're welcome. You got your brush with greatness. Now, and Sean Spears stayed in the back, so screw all of you. Who thought Sean Spears was going to, like, FTR was going to need Sean Spears' help. They're the best tag team in the world. Fear the revelation. FTR wins. Top guys. Out.
2: Okay, all right. But, yeah, overall, really freaking good match. Really great title match. And, again, like, honestly, it's just, like, I love the fact that SCU were the first uh, tag team champions in AEW, but I want more from them. Like, I want more stuff from them. And I know CD had a little segment on being the elite where he talked about, like, how his time might be up. And I'm, like, wondering if they're trying to tap back into the Dark Order stuff or if that's actually legitimately, like, he's thinking of retiring. Which, if that's the case, that's a legendary career coming to an end. And it's going to be hard for me to watch it, but it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see what what turns out of it, but either way, like every single one of the FCU members, every single one of them is nothing but quality and I want to see like more stories involving them, like so badly. So I'm sure they'll eventually get so, I like I'm hoping just like sooner or later we can get something coming out of the all three of those guys because it's always going to be good. We then got an announcement from Tony Khan about an 8-man Single elimination tournament that will be capping off at full gear, where the winner will get a shot at the AEW World Championship title. And three of the eight competitors are Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix, and Kenny Omega. And also at the same time, Hangman Adam Page was on commentary as Jim Ross asked if this was a shock to him. Hangman just goes, I gotta go, takes his headset off, and then walks back with his whiskey, and doesn't seem happy about that, and then we got into the next match, which is the, I mean, we'll have more to talk about the tournament when more names get announced for it. All, I'm all for more tournaments in pro wrestling. They're always great. I'm currently in the process of trying to catch up with the G1 Climax, and I'm like loving every second of it, and we'll talk more about that, I think, when we get more names announced for it, but then we had Private parties. Isaiah Cassidy making his AEW singles debut with Mark Quinn and Matt Hardy accompanying him versus the demo god Chris Jericho with the inner circle on his side and this was strong this was a good match honestly there was points in it that I thought went a little slower but I think it's just because we haven't seen these two really work a singles match before and there was a lot of great moments in there and overall it was really 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 strong and it was a good win for uh for Jericho getting the Judas effect as uh, Cassidy springboarded right into the Judas effect. Great. I love how that move comes out of nowhere. Then after the match, after Jericho gets the win, inner circle tries to put a beating on Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Hardy gets a steel chair and then Mark Quinn jumps to save, uh, Isaiah Cassidy. As they walk away, Jericho and Hager starts throwing hands at Luther and Serpentico, which Taz talked about. They were a tag team known as chaos project. And they're undefeated as a tag team. So, and it's, Luther's also one of uh, Excalibur pointed this out too how Luther is one of Jericho's er- earliest career rivals back when they were at Stu Hart's Dungeon in Calgary. I had no idea about that. Thank God Excalibur knows everything there is about everything in wrestling. So, we are going to be seeing the team of Jericho and Hager versus Luther and Serpentico. Okay. I'm 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 intrigued. I'll see where it goes.
1: <laughs> okay, so storyline: uh, Luther accidentally hit Jericho in one of the fracases, and that's why he started fighting him. Behind the scenes, Luther and Jericho have known each other thirty years. One of Jericho's closest friends in wrestling, and so next week is Jericho's thirtieth anniversary and thirtieth year celebration. For what I understand, he wanted to to be against the person he had his first match with, Lance Storm. Uh, they decided not to do that, but they did want to do it with someone Jericho had like a, a early first match with. That's Luther. So he's throwing his one of his close friends, you know, they got a contract. Of course, he has a contract, throwing him a bone, getting him on dynamite, because he's been pretty much exclusively a dark performer. So, it, 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 you know, and it goes back. It's a part of his thirty years, and it's like uh, the character Luther's character, Chaos Project, is about being the ultimate form of evil. That's what it is. There's nothing good inside of him. So it even works because you know, even though Jericho and Hager are heelish, they're apparently not as evil as Luther. So yeah. yeah, it works on a it works on a few different ways, you know. The great thing about it is, you know, somebody like Jericho, like you know, think about it. AEW doesn't probably exist without Jericho with the crossover appeal Jericho uh, brings. So you oh, want to yeah. you want to throw him a bone? You throw you th- you throw him a bone. You know what I mean? You, you say hey, Yay. you know, you know hey, we're gonna get your guy on here. We'll make it. We'll make it work. And it's just like you do it for Jericho. Thirty years in the sure. business, you do it for him. So uh, it was it's, it's awesome. I love it. Luther is a very, you know, I wouldn't call him great, but he's a very good wrestler. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like he can, you know, he's serviceable. He ain't horrible or anything. So, you know, they'll have a good match. Sarpenta was really good. Uh, Sopranto is one of the up and coming guys, and he's really good. And I'm thinking he might have, he has to be signed to an AEW contract because they literally use him just like so much. I was going to say. <laughs> like, they use him so much. He might not be announced, but it seems like it's seeming more and more like he's, he's uh, you know, signed. So that works. And looking forward to that going forward. Match was good. Isaiah Cassidy. Only his second singles match, you know, ever. First, I think first, like, recorded on TV. And he held up his own very well. And, you know, I mean, we said it last week. He's catching a Judas Effect, and it's going to be one, two, three. That's what happened. But he did look really good in it. And it's funny because we both had Mark Quinn had a singles match. We've had Isaiah Cassidy have a single match. And they both performed very well as singles. And, you know... Uh, that builds towards their tag team future. And maybe if they don't stay a tag team forever and they eventually split, you see what you have to look forward to.
2: Yeah. And honestly, for the match with Jericho and Hager and Serpentico and Luther in a show that's dedicated to Jericho's 30 years in pro wrestling, he can book whatever the fuck kind of match he wants. It's like, this is a big, it's going to be a big celebration for Jericho in terms of like the match that he wants to put on. So, you know what? Go for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm still intrigued to see how it'll turn out. We then had an incredibly odd segment of Best Man Miro and Kip Sabian. They were hanging out at an arcade talking about the bachelor party for Kip Sabian's wedding and how Miro's the best man. They're at Dave and & Buster's, and they're just playing video games, and they're playing arcade games. And then there's a point where Kip Sabian walks away or whatnot. And then Miro is playing Pac-Man. And then all of a sudden, Arcade World record holder Billy freaking Mitchell shows up, and I'm like, "What the hell?" And he he says he could help out if you want to do something really crazy. And Miro was intrigued by the idea. Then of course, uh, they take a jab about him possibly cheating at the game because back in like the mid twenty mid twenty tens, found that he was using an emulator for one of his world records. Uh but i mean dude still has a pretty big lineage in the video game uh in the video game community not great now not great now pretty sure like i saw comments on the video just being like he's the biggest heel in AEW just for showing up which yeah <laughs> i i get that but the last person i thought i'd see in AEW is billy freaking mitchell so i just saw his his mug and i was just like you you what now excuse me okay sure he showed up oh i'm this is completely just out of control and weird and i don't get it but okay sure he's here apparently but
1: yeah that was I, i thought that was really cool i had no idea who the guy was until somebody i knew i heard his name and i was like i don't know who the hell that is but andy uh andy nimity was replying i mean throwing it out there and I wanted to look that up, but it looked like he had a bunch of legitimate records. Oh before, yeah, he, he, before before that, that one. Yeah, I'm like, screw you. That's all it took. Yeah, I was like, screw
2: that. That's all it took, man. Yeah. That's all it took for people to be like,
1: fraud. Yeah, it's like nothing. You 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 lied once, so you have never told the told the truth in your whole existence. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I know I'm a more forgiving person. It's like the dude was elite. I mean, to get in the Guinness Book of World Records the first few times he had to do it on an arcade box in front of the Guinness Book of World Records guy. So it's like I don't. Yeah, I I, know, I mean, so, like, yeah. like I said, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole because I'm not a gamer guy. I like to, this is me this is like me talking to someone that hates football about, you know, using the eye formation versus the spread. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, no. it like, uh... yeah, was like that's me. This is me. I am out of my depth talking about Billy Mitchell. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like I shouldn't I shouldn't have actual thoughts on that because I am no. not an elite gamer at all. I just play video games, so I will yeah. I will leave that to someone else. But I thought it was funny. I thought it was a really cool the one thing about AW does it does do a lot of in, inside baseball. Like so there's this guy at home with his four friends. They might know a little bit more about wrestling than him, but they're all watching together. And he's like, oh, it's Billy Mitchell. And then he starts throwing off the facts like you just did. And for that five-minute period, he's kind of cool. So congrats yeah. to that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: I would say, <laughs> honestly, also... I will say, uh, Billy Mitchell was already a heel when he tried to sue Regular Show for them like parroting his his likeness in an episode. That was fucking stupid. Like I was like when that whole thing broke down, and like I'm like one of the only people that actually remember that happened. Like, what the hell, dude? Like, why on earth are you trying to sue a kids show over them using your like your likeness? Like, get the fuck
1: over it. I always say with those type of things, you don't know what led to it. It might have been like a thing. I've always, I've heard of people uh, suing people. I've heard of people suing it. And then then you'll find out that the person called Nasty used their likeness. And then they said no. And then they did it anyway. Yeah, if you do that, yeah, I'm going to sue you. I don't care who you are. That's, it. Yeah, what, <laughs> what, 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 however it goes, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, I am like, uh, yeah, if, you, if you, you do something shady, you know? No, but I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how the situation went down. It sounds messed up, you know, as for me, like, you see the kids show? Like.
2: Yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Like,
2: but uh, either way, um, after this, there was a small little segment with FTR backstage interrupting best friends, calling themselves top guys and poking fun at them. Right as they started to walk away, best friends like looked like they're going to attack FTR. They flinched, put up their guards, and then right before they left, Orange Cassidy took the mic and called them weenies again. And they just, they're just digging that consistently, and they're going to until they get their title match. And then,
1: uh... It's one of those things that would be way better if they had, like, a huge crowd that every time FTR came out, weenies, 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 that would be, like, and that got actually over. It's like one of those things where you don't know if it's over. Oh, yeah. Because there's no fans to get it over. But, it's like, oh, it sounds a little silly, but when everybody starts calling them weenies, that'd be pretty freaking epic.
2: Oh yeah. And then we had orange Cassidy facing off against dark orders in 10 orange Cassidy was trying to get like a win back after he got beat by, uh, Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT title. And while 10 blasted him from behind before the match started, uh, orange Cassidy was able to get a pretty consistent win as, uh, the, uh, well also I loved how the dark order marked, but, uh, mocked best friends hug. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, But Orange Cassidy was able to get the pretty decisive win, got the beach break uh, on 10 and got the pin. And it was a I mean, like it it was what it was. It was Orange Cassidy pretty much getting back at the Dark Order in a way for getting beat by Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT title. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it was. And it did that.
1: Yeah. John Silver is a star. And you noticed. No question. You you noticed they trying to get him on TV more. He's literally the Dark Order member that's on screen the most. Not Anna Jay, not Roddy Lee. John Silver. Anytime it's the Dark Order, he's at least out there managing him because they just want to get him outside, get out, get on get him on the ring. Speaking of
2: John Silver again, um my favorite being the elite like the thing that's besides the consistent promos of Eddie Kingston cutting promos on like sweets. Like, like this, he, he cut a promo on a pack of, what was it? He cut a promo on a. Uh, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, yeah, Kid. Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. And besides that, my other favorite thing was when the Dark Order, for no apparent reason, were backstage singing Cody's theme song. It was like, Adrenaline, so something, something, Cody, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then like, Brody Lee walks in like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, we, were, "We were singing your theme song. We were singing your theme song." He's like, "You sing my theme like how the fuck does my theme song go?" And they're just like, "Mr. Brody Lee, he is so handsome. And I'm just losing my mind."
1: I, I just like, I, I popped into the fact that Brody Lee actually liked it. <laughs> he's
0: like, "Yeah." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sing it again. It was it was yeah. I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like the, you know, Making fun of Cody, but uh, that part. But he it's was. funny. John Silver. John Silver is hilarious. John yes. Silver is like the the amount of comedic timing is. There's not a lot of people that I ever say, especially anymore, that I want to like go to WWE. But all I can imagine is the stuff him and our truth could come up working off of each oh other.
2: Oh my God.
1: That would be like epic, just working off of each other, because it's just they—they just—it's it, the the reason they're so good is because they just don't give a fuck at all. They'll do whatever, and they don't mind being silly. They don't mind being that. He just has that energy, and I would just love to see what they could come up together. Uh, but yeah, I love him. I love him. He has found his spot in AEW. And he could be. He really has. Do the same thing for 10 years. I don't think anybody would ever get tired of it just because he goes all in on whatever he's doing. And it's. I love it. I love it. I love John Silver. I swear by John Silver. You're talking about. Let's see. We're in October. February. Uh, I think, yeah, it was February. I went to see uh, AEW in uh, Dallas, right outside of Dallas. And. Like, in the opening match, he beats up, I think, John Silver. And then he beats up Alex Reynolds the second after that. Who knew in ten months he would be, like, an act that mattered? They were, like, two nobodies. I literally used to get their names mixed up. Yeah. Oh, the Beaver Boys' names mixed up. It's Like, I don't know. And there were,
2: like, there were slight points on, like, being the elite where you saw, like, there's something to... There's something there, but like you kind of didn't really give it much thought because they were just like small, like when they were trying to get Orange Cassidy to sign with the, like join the Dark Order, and he's just like slowly pushes like the the like their drink over or whatnot, and he's just like, don't you do that! I swear to God, I swear to God, if you push that over, if you push, and it's like you can see it there, it's like it's it's there, and you're like, okay, that's something I didn't expect. Like and then you just kind of blow it off, and then all of a sudden as months go by and months go by, it's like he wears you down,
1: and you're just like, oh my god, I love this man. He reminds me of Flip Gordon, but moreover. You know how Flip Gordon wasn't like, but he kind of became a, uh, you know, his whole, you know, Cody and him hating each other, but he's friend of Randy. Flip Gordon got over on BTE, and it was like, John Silver got over on BTE.
2: yeah. Now yeah. just don't go the path of Flip Gordon right now, and we'll be good.
1: I, Flip Gordon, Flip Gordon just likes attention, and it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, that's kind of how I treat him. You know, like the little brother, and you like the little brother that just wants your attention, tugs on your shirt, and you just kind of pat him on his head, like, "Okay, I'm paying attention to you," but I don't take you seriously. You know, that's that's pretty much my yeah. relationship with Flip Gordon. I don't take him seriously at all. When he was like, "Oh, he believes in flat Earth," I'm like, "Sure, he does." Oh, he doesn't believe in vaccines. Sure he doesn't. I just think he likes attention. I think he says shit so people are paying attention to him.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway.
1: You know there's people you know there's people like that that will take whatever the contrary inside of it is just so people pay attention to them.
2: I mean that's why yeah. Well, I mean we'll just leave it at that. We then had MJF come along with Wardlow with a gift for Chris Jericho in the inner circle, he walks into their locker room and they're kind of just eyeing him up. He gives them, uh, inner circle jackets. And then he was just like, Oh my God. Uh, I, I forgot one for Sammy. And like, this is so uh, like, Wardlow, what the hell happened here? And then like Jericho and Sammy are like, what the hell are you doing here? And all he's doing is like, MJF's like, I'm here to congratulate you on your victory. That's all I, all I want to do. And then, Jericho is like, well, I asked you a question a long time ago, and I'm still trying to picking up what you're laying down here, so he's going to ask again, do you want to join the Inner Circle? And MJF's like, I don't want to be rude, but I asked you a question, do you want me to join the Inner Circle? And then just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They then congratulate each other. Well, MJF congratulates him on the 30-year run. They leave, and then Sammy just goes, what a loser! And then Jericho goes, maybe not. So... MJF possibly doing more stuff with Jericho and maybe come in the Dark Order? But, like, we know he'll do more stuff with Jericho, but joining the... I mean, not the Dark Order, the Inner Circle. He's trying... Uh,
1: Most importantly, he's trying to force Sammy out of the Dark Order. Yeah. (laughs) He's literally just trying to take Sammy's spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of cool if we could either turn into... I saw it go I see it going two ways. Turning Sammy face, which, you know, turn turning Sammy face by, you know, Dark Order I mean you know, or inner circle kinda kicking him out. That could be one. Yeah. Two MJF is not trying to take Sammy's spot. He's trying to take Jericho's spot. Maybe. And then they turn on Jericho and then Jericho can go face for a while. Because Jericho's been here for, like, what, the year and five months this company's existed. You know he's going to have a face run at some point.
2: Eventually, yeah.
1: Because he's just too popular. His music is just too over. People love singing his song. So you know he's going to have a face run. So maybe this could lead to it. But it looks Ah, like the next feud is going to be MJF versus Sammy G.
2: Yeah, which, I mean, like, you got a sex god... But then you have like, like in comparison, probably like a crack whore, something like that. <laughs> my whole thing my is
1: like, I love Sammy, but you get in a few with MJF, you're going to have to bring it on the mic. That is like, oh yeah, you, you it's, yeah, it's the biggest thing he's got to do, yeah, yeah. It's like um, you have to go into a master's class. You have to go into you're going into a master's class. You have someone that I mean. Sammy G is a prodigy, you know, in the ring. He can do anything in the ring. But on that mic, man, shit, I'd put MJF against Stone Cold any day, you know. And that's oh, I think Stone Cold is like one of the best on the mic ever. But MJF is so quick-witted and just such an asshole that I think he could hang. I think he yeah. would have fit right in there, you know, doing the great talkers of wrestling. So I'm looking forward to it going forward.
2: Yeah. Which, if you haven't, if you haven't heard MJF on Stone Cold's podcast, you gotta make you gotta listen to that. Like,
1: oh my
2: god, that's a that's a fun time. See, I Stone didn't League. even know that happened,
1: and that's weird. You didn't know so, that happened? I, I mean, this is the first I've heard of it. I didn't even know uh, that happened.
2: Yeah, it was about like a little
1: over a year ago, I think. Yeah, he was on Broken Skull. Yeah, huh? That's awesome. There you go. Uh-huh.
2: We then had the return of Doctor Britt Baker DMD to the ring as she faced. Red Velvet in her first match after being out with an injury, she was like fully like working that heel persona. Like it, you could see like how like now she's really her character is, is she's really figured out her heel persona and now she's really trying to get down her heel her heel tactics in the ring. Uh after the match uh, she gets her lockjaw finisher after she gets like a black glove from Reba and then just really just starts digging in that lockjaw and red velvet to send a message to the women's roster. And like she's like all I can say is like honestly, it just, it's just I'm happy she can wrestle again because it's like it's like having her on TV and having her be her heel persona and really work it is great. But now it's like I like you're seeing the first woman signed to AEW back in the ring. I'm I'm all for it and it was just a good return like honestly like it's Red Velvet got a pretty good showing in it and like that's great and like I'm sure people wanted to see a like her return be at all out like it was supposed to but she's back at this point
1: that's all I care about at this point oh she and the thing is she looked amazing yeah she looked uh, she looked really good in her uh role it's like she got she has her moves set down that's what she's going to do, how she's going to work. I love the added touch of Reba jumping in, putting a glove on her so she can then put in a lockjaw after the match was over. Uh, that was great. Love her finisher, uh, which is the curb stomp in, in, in essence. And so, yeah, I am down with Britt Baker. Uh, she uh, took the time that she was off, watched film and looked like she came up with what works for her. Cause it looked really, really good again. Living with, I mean, I'm not taking any credit away from Britt Baker. I'm not taking any credit away from Kenny Omega and uh, you know uh, all the people putting matches together, including her. But you have to say, you know, living in the same house is one of the best heels in the last 10 years of wrestling. Can't hurt.
2: No, not not at all.
1: Yeah, I'm not, yeah, it's like it's just it works.
2: It really does. We then finished off the show with the main event as Eddie Kingston, flanked by Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix, drags Bryce Remberg by the shirt collar, and then Eddie Kingston's going and says he did not tap out to that bulldog choke. So now he gets to pick John Moxley's opponent for tonight, as we built into the show. Before he discloses who's going to kick your ass, he's got to talk to a friend of mine, or so I thought. He starts going after... Bryce Rensberg, you never heard me say I quit. I never tapped. So what made you think? What gave you the right? What gave you the balls to ring that bell? And then Riceberg just explains he's been he's known him for eighteen years. Uh, you were unresponsive. You can't call or text me all weeks. You want me to you wanna bring me out here? Like he like just tries to talk about how i love know, the referee with
1: balls oh god oh, yeah. i love that That line was y- so y- good yes because they just come off as so sniveling most of the time but oh, bryce yeah. winsburg's like i'm not you know dude i'm not scared of you like I, I i did my job just like you do your job i did my job yeah exactly
2: <laughs> and then uh he then gets the lucha bros to surround bryce Winsberg, not happy by his response aw champion john moxley hits the ring he's got a barbed wire bat with him as he gets into the ring, they they move outside. And then King, uh, Eddie Kingston just goes, you're fighting the Butcher tonight. Rendsburg, ring, ring the bell. And then that's for the title. The match was set up to be the Butcher versus John Moxley for the AEW World title. And I, first off, I loved how they set up this match, just like going into it for the main event. And yeah, it was just a really, really great, uh, like considering it was like, I wasn't expecting much from a singles match with the butcher. I was surprised. Hardcore. He really did well in this match. And afterwards Moxley hit the paradigm shift for the win. And then he hit the bulldog, uh, choke on the butcher and, uh, butcher actually tapped out. So he's really working that bulldog choke as one of his new finishes. And that was the finish of the show. And like, I like, really strong way to finish it honestly you can't really say too many bad things about it it's just really really solid main event
1: yeah um the butcher's only been wrestling like a few years uh good old uh andy williams uh um that being said uh make sure uh, you check out good old andy williams and the blade on unrestricted this week they are like the nicest people ever (laughs) So it's kind of funny because, you know, they play the Butcher and the Blade. But in this match, he held his own. He was just a big old hoss. And, you know, with the his facial hair and how his attitude, he comes off very much, you know, menacing. And this match was very physical, uh, you know. And somewhere halfway through the match, you did see him seemingly get a little tired, which you have to think about it. He's a tag team wrestler. Yeah. You know, you know. He's not used to, you know, being in the ring that much, you know, so I I thought that was, you know, I thought it was cool. I thought he did a great job. John Moxley, the badass that he is, it's just I just think as far as to take if your idea is to bring a serious badass attitude to the AEW World Title, he's the perfect guy. Uh, When someone beats him, whether it be heel or another face or whoever beats him, it is going to put them over amazingly because they've done such an excellent job as building him as unbeatable.
2: Oh, yeah. And then that was the wrap for this week's AEW Dynamite, which really, really good show, I think, honestly. Like there was nothing other than a couple nitpicks I had. I didn't really have too much wrong with the show uh, i mean like we we gave the cody brody build a lot of hard but that's just because we hold cody's builds to matches and for big matches yeah to a lot more i hold like, it to a higher, higher standard standards.
1: yeah i really do he's deserved it he's earned it every other match i'm talking you know i'm talking from the beginning the dustin match sean spears match it was like they weren't the main event of the card but they felt like the best built of the match. Then you go to Jericho, MJF, even the TNT title, and it's just like this, this. You know, you see the people. You know, Brody Lee is the guy, and he's big and he's menacing. And I'm just like, it feels like they could have done a little more to make it bigger. Yeah,
2: that's all, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, honestly, with that. Now we gonna go. We're going to go ahead and get into the preview for next week's Dynamite, but before we do that, I want to let you know that support for all things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, and if you go and place an order and use the code SUPLEX in your order, you can get 20% off that order and get... Free shipping alongside it, not one or the other. You get both of them, and Floyd Johnson Jr., my man, can always shout out Manscaped and tell you why they are worth a purchase.
1: Yes, uh, I, I I usually put over the lawnmower 3.0, and that is the the crown jewel, the pun intended, of the uh, that is the crown jewel of Manscaped. But I'm going to talk about the crop refresher. I've talked about it before. It's deodorant for your balls. Uh, as a person that goes out to wrestling events and almost all of them are outside and, you know, you're going to be out for like, you know, five, six hours. And then, you know, you may go out to a bar and you try and, you know, hook up, you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, you need to make sure you're good down there. You know, if you're going to you no, know, do your thing, you need to make sure you're good down there. And I'm just telling you the crop refresher, the ball odor, amazing amazing keeps you fresh all day long you know carry a little bit around in your bag maybe you have to you know re-up but for the most part it keeps you good down there so definitely go to uh, manscaped.com put in the code suplex order some crap 20% off and by crap i mean amazing things to make your balls glisten and then you can uh <laughs> then then you can go in, you can go out, and you can go out with the confidence. Again, you can walk a little taller, move it through your day.
2: Yeah, and thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring All Things Elite. We really appreciate it. Going into the preview for next week's AEW Dynamite, the first dynamite of October of twenty twenty. We have Will Hobbs versus Brian Cage, and the FTW championship is on the line. We also have FTR versus TH2 in a 20-minute Brush with Greatness match. Oh, boy. We then have, of course, Jericho and Hager versus Chaos Project, Luther and Serpentico for Jericho's 30th anniversary match, and then the dog collar match for the TNT Championship between Cody and Mr. Brody Lee. Now, honestly, the match that has me the most intrigued is the FTW Championship match because, holy shit, that ma- that title is being defended. So, yeah, it's Will freaking Hobbs that's getting challenging for it, so...
1: And guess? I and you know my propensity and my love for my favorite thing. Big men slapping meat, and that's what you're gonna get in this match. You got Will Hobbs, he's more of a traditional, you know, big man. He's gonna throw you in the spine buster, he's gonna throw you around, real physical. Then you got the freak of nature himself, the hybrid, the swolverine, the FTW champion, Brian Cage, who can hit you with, he can hit you with a jackhammer and then hit you with a shooting star press because he's a freak of nature. And how they line up against each other, it's going to be great. It's going to be physical. And you just like, you know, it's like, you're going to remember the uh, Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic matches. Oh, yeah. where yeah, That's where it seems like this could go. Will Hobbs is, um, you know, we might get a new FTW champion, you know. you know. I know it's not an official belt, but Taz is all about his title, and if you lose, you lose. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's actually the second match I'm looking most forward to on a show that has my FTR on it and my Cody on it. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this show. Uh, FTR has Jack Evans again. Jack Evans, he's been wrestling forever. And I, for the life of me, don't know how he's able to do what he does. I uh, saw him at a show, literally do a handstand and walk all the way down the ramp to the end. And then kind of flip up on his legs. Like, I was like...
2: I, I, I did gymnastics and I still don't know how he does that. Shit. Yeah,
1: he has no bones. Uh, and... If anybody could t- all, out shit talk FTR, I, and it's and it's close, I'm not giving him the win, but it's close. It's Jack Evans because not only can he shit talk, he can do it with one letter, and not, like not mess up. His alliteration skills are amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, g- I give it to Jack Evans. I'm looking forward to him and then Helico, and and Helico is more of a ground base. Uh, Mexican submission style, Lucha Libre submission style. So that actually kind of goes along with what, uh, you know, FTR ground-based style. So it's going to be a nice transition there. And, of course, the dog collar match, which two words fucking nuts. That's all I can say. I mean, I can't even tell you what to expect because I really don't even know what the rules to an AEW dog collar match are going to be. We just know it's going to be a dog collar match.
2: Yeah. yeah, and also we don't know what TNT is even going to let them get away with. But honestly, yeah, I'm 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 thinking the show leading up to this is going to be really really exciting. And uh, overall, that's everything that we've got from AEW. We've covered a couple things that we saw on uh, Being the Elite, covered AEW Dynamite, and we're previewing AEW Dynamite for next week. So that's episode seventy nine of. All Things Elite in the books. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please make sure that you downloaded this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review. If you're so inclined to, leave a donation through our podcast podcast provider, Red Circle. And again, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Share with your friends and family. We would genuinely really appreciate it. And again, on Twitter, we are at atelitepod, at socialsuplex, at, AT, at ssumer4. Social That's my at Floyd
1: Johnson Jr. That is Floyd. But
2: that's all we have for this show, so it's just time for Floyd to take us home
0: here.
1: All right. I'm going to be quick. Uh, I'm going to thank everyone who has been listening since this show has started. Uh, like I said, a second, an hour, a minute, of download. We appreciate everything you do. And thank you. Uh, I will say, make sure I know the deadline to register to vote in most states are as October 9th. I am not sharing or anything my political affiliation. I do think it is important to let your voice be heard no matter what side of the fence you're on. If maybe you're in the middle, maybe you're in, the, you know, whatever you are. October 9th, make sure you register to vote for the election next month. Make sure you're social distancing. We're getting more breakouts unfortunately. You thought this thing was close to going away but you're now getting more breakouts with different sports and our president now has it. And it's just like, that's unfortunate. My thoughts and prayers with everybody uh, that has been affected by the the coronavirus, but just make sure you're wearing your mask, social distancing, just following the guidelines, you know, guidelines, because that's how, you know, show you love your family and take care of each other. Just want to throw that out there before I say this, whether you are at home You are at work. Are you at school? Always do your best to be elite.